0: Everyone and welcome to the mom hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey Megan. Hi Sarah. And happy Sunday, everyone. If it's Sunday and you're listening to the Mom Hour, it must be a More Than Mom episode. These are our pretty much twice monthly dives into anything that is not parenting related. We save that for Tuesdays. And and not particularly helpful. Like we're no. not
1: really going for like helping you <laughs> or giving you advice. We really just want to talk about fluffy stuff and fun stuff. It is the weekend. Let's just enjoy ourselves, right?
0: Yeah, it's a fun way to get to know us, too. I think we have quite a few new listeners out there. So today's episode especially is uh, a little, I don't know, trip down memory lane in a lot of ways. So I think it's a fun way to get to know us and our backstories. And Megan, this topic was your idea.
1: It was. And okay, so I have to share the inspiration for this topic. And First of all, it's also important if you're new to the show to recognize that you and I came of age in a very different time than some of our listeners um, came of age. So when we start like reflecting back to like middle school or high school, um, for us, like for me, middle school was the late 80s. And for you, it would have been like the mid 90s,
0: early 90s, early
1: 90s. Yeah. So we're it's just there's a whole different perspective there and a different set of experiences, which I think is really fun. But I actually thought of this because I was thinking back to my junior high, which it was so long ago, they didn't even call it middle school, most places yet. Um, and how confused must most of the teachers must have been by the hair <laughs> and the makeup going on around them. So, you know, most of my teachers were like probably in their 30, 20s, 30s, 40s, something like that. And they had come of age like in the 60s, 70s, maybe early 80s. And- then you're looking around and suddenly all of these like zitty, awkward kids also have awful hair mm-hmm. and bad makeup jobs. And it's also like very extreme. Like that was such a, uh, the late eighties was such an extreme time for bad hair and makeup and all that. And I just laugh sometimes when I think like, what must have they been thinking and yeah. of us and our style? So, um, I definitely was not at my best just, just as a spoiler uh, style-wise, during that time, and then I started kind of thinking through the periods of my life, like what would have been some highlights for style, say, or different yeah. topic or different themes, and then what would have been the low points. And so we're we're splitting this up into pre and post becoming a mom because that adds another interesting element. Like you can kind of have your look all together, or your friends all together, or like your media consumption all together, and then you can have babies, and it throws it all off, right? Yeah. But then the other thing is then you and I both came of age at slightly different times, but had kids at very different times. So Mm -hmm. I was already having kids by 20 and it was later for you. So like the times that these things were happening for me and for you are very different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's fascinating. And as we were outlining this, you would think there might be some common themes like, okay, everyone cringes at how they looked in middle school, whether that was in the 80s, the 90s or the aughts. And, you know, because it's like it's an awkward time. But I think there's quite a few differences in when you and I felt really confident and good about not just our clothes and our hair and our makeup, but like, yeah, the media we were consuming, our social lives. So I think it's a good it's a good way to remember that whatever you're experiencing right now might be like the best of times. It might be the worst of times. It might be somewhere (laughs) in the middle. But we have these, especially as women, we go through these cycles and it was was really fun. I loved um, your prompts to go back and think about this. So I'm excited about this.
1: Well, and and sometimes it's the benefit of hindsight that tells you that actually that year was a pretty good year for you or actually what were you thinking? You know, so um, when you're in it, it's kind of hard to look back at it sometimes. And and I think now, you know, having the benefit of 10 or 20 or 30 years to look back at different phases just tells you a lot. that's from our ourplace.com code MOMHOUR. Okay, Sarah. So, let's just dive in with the most fluffy stuff first, okay? Let's talk about our best and worst pre-motherhood looks. And this can be any time from, you know, childhood through the first time you had a baby. So, I'll go first on this one. Um, my best look was my first year of college. But here's the thing, it's not that my look was that great during the first year of college. I just think it was the first time I had any kind of look mm-hmm. that I felt like was intentional and that I felt pretty confident in. And so like in high school, um, I had gone to two different high schools. One was in like on the, the east side of my state and one was on the west side of my state. They were very different. Um, the vibe in each of those communities was very, very different. And so when I moved from one school, and I had also moved from... 8th grade. So I moved from 8th grade up north down to the east side of the state and then within a year and a half I moved to the west side of the state. So within 3 years I had gone boom 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 to three different mm-hmm. schools. And I think by the time I got to the last school I was just really spooked about how to dress. Mm-hmm. So I really just like I really just wore whatever I felt would make me fit in the most. Like mm-hmm. I wore baggy nondescript clothes. I borrowed a lot of stuff out of my dad's closet. I just really had no sense of style or confidence in my own ability to dress myself or to fit in. And I think fitting, in was very important to me because it had been like, you know, just having gone to so many different schools by that point. So my first year of college, um, you know, my roommate was Jenna, who was like the fashion plate of our high school, which, you know, no offense to Jenna, isn't saying much because (laughs) I mean, like is very fashion. She's very, she has a great style. She does. Um, in those days, like she had like a den, like a form fitting denim vest. I remember being like, whoa, like what's Jenna doing with that vest? Like <laughs> she just always looked really cute and pulled together. And then she was my roommate. So, um, the two, like, I, I guess I got a little more confidence to dress a little outside the box. And I did things like I bought midriff bearing, those little baby tees mm-hmm. that show your midriff. I would never have done that in high school, but I was like, well, I'm going to college. I don't care. And then I, uh, I had like the overalls and I would wear them sometimes with one thing down, one strap down over my baby tee. And I just feel like I kind of put myself out there a little bit and I had a look, maybe not the best look, but it was a look. I'm
0: getting a Delia's vibe from what you're describing. Oh, it was so Delia's. It was so (laughs) Delia's.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, it was Delia's inspired. I don't know that I actually ever bought anything out of the catalog, but I would pour over it and use it. And like my nails were always done in fun colors and lots of little sunflower, um, jewelry and accessories and all that stuff.
0: I love it. Well, it's funny. Okay. I picked two years, one from more childhood and one from a little later, but I think my later one is probably in, in chronological years, it's probably the same year. Cause I was probably in 10th grade when you were a freshman in college, maybe. Um, but anyway, I'll start with fifth grade. Fifth grade was really a banner year for me. First of all, I just looked at my school picture the other day from that year and I was very adorable. Like I I was totally pre-puberty because I was a late bloomer. So I was very childlike, like freckly, um, just really little. Um, but I think by fifth grade, 10, 11 years old, I was getting that tween sense of at least aspiring to whatever stores I had seen in the mall. We actually got like a, we got a better mall situation in Santa Barbara around that time too. Like there was gap and express and like, so I just remember my eyes being opened to Clothing, and they were still. I was still shopping in the children's section. It's not like I, hmm. it's not like I wanted to dress like a junior high kid. But before that, I was truly in like just a child. And fifth grade felt like I was a little bit boy crazy. I definitely had crushes. I was wearing dangly earrings. I just felt like I was the grown up version of elementary school. And um, my school picture, I'm wearing tie dye with the sleeves, like a tie dye tee with the sleeves rolled up. So this would have been 1990, 91. Um My hair was really, really long and I was doing like swoopy bangs, but they weren't the crunchy (laughs) ones of the 80s. It was a little Mm -hmm. bit like the 90s in California were starting to bring in a little bit of like tie dye and like, I don't know, surf hippie culture. So Mm -hmm. it was a cute year. And then the runner up is 10th grade, which I just have a memory of my braces coming off and getting my driver's license within like six weeks of each other. I think I got my braces off in January. I turned 16 and got my license in February. So the second semester of my sophomore year of high school, I also just felt very grown up. Uh, Like I loved that feeling of like car keys in my hand, driving to school. So what's funny about this is my look was, my look had matured a little bit. I was, I was shopping for clothes at the mall and having fun with fashion, but it's more that I felt grown up, which probably made me feel confident in my clothes, like whereas I had been a a braces like an underdeveloped braces wearing, you know, young teenager. And all of a sudden with a car and no braces, it's like I I like lapped myself. And so it was less about the clothes and more about the confidence. I think
1: you're like the girl in the movie, the braces (laughs) come off and suddenly everyone (laughs) like and I guess it was always glasses in the movie. and Everyone's like, wow, she's beautiful, (laughs) like shakes Um, hair dramatically in slow motion. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I can totally see you doing that. So when you were in fifth grade, I guess I would have been in like eighth or ninth grade. Yeah. And your comment about the sweepy bangs, like those bangs um, that were popular in my area in like the, you know, late eighties, very early nineties were always the bane of my existence. I could never get them to stick. Um, Mm -hmm. I just couldn't get them to work. Like my hair was too thick. It wasn't cut right. And I couldn't get the rat to work but I remember being really frustrated because I would watch movies that were probably all set in California Mm -hmm. and I'd be like, none of the girls in the movies are doing their hair like that. So why am I supposed to do my hair like that for my, like, why is that the look here? All the girls in the movies just had kind of like vaguer eighties hair. I don't know how to put it. They had like, Mm -hmm. um, like the really stylish girls in an 80 or eighties or early nineties movie would have had much more natural looking soft hair. It was like a
0: softer, it was still like a, it was still like a, Wave bang, but it was a like a feathered look. wave bang. But it yeah. was a,
1: it was yes, it was a little bit flatter and a little softer, and it just didn't have that ridiculous spiky look, <laughs> which was all the rage in Northern Michigan, and I could never do it. So, um, well, that leads me right to the worst look. So for me, seventh and eighth grade were just bad looks, and part of it was because I couldn't get my hair right, but I kept trying anyway. Yeah, like I just kept trying, and it just never got better. And I really also I have very thick hair. And my mom had always done my hair for me right up until seventh, like through sixth grade, my mom put my hair in two braids every day. And, and I was really little, like I was 11 in seventh grade. So um, in sixth grade, I was still a little kid. My mom was, mm-hmm. you know, took care of my hair for me because she knew I wouldn't do it. It was smart. But in seventh grade, I was like, well, I'm going to junior high. I can't have my mommy, you know, braiding my hair anymore. Yeah. So I started trying to do it myself. And it was just a mess. Like it was all a rat's nest underneath because it's super thick. And I couldn't, I didn't brush it all the way through. So then it would be snarled and she'd have to go through it and <laughs> calm. And then my locker mate got lice. And so I got lice and my mom chopped my oh. hair off. And it was just it it just kept getting worse and worse. And I feel like I just walked around knowing I should care suddenly about my looks, but not really caring because I was still so young. Like I really just mm-hmm. didn't care yet. But I kind of knew that I like vaguely was aware that I should and that other people around me did. Um so it was just really bad. And I just totally interrupted you. You were supposed to go first on this one. But oh, tell no. me about your worst look, Sarah.
0: Well, I mean, we have this in common. Seventh grade. It's funny because I have a seventh grader right now and you you will shortly. Um, so it's funny to think about who knows what a Allegra will look back and think about right now. But I think seventh grade for a lot of people is just awkward for me. I chose seventh grade for my worst look and two reasons. One, my hair went from pretty straight as a kid to pretty wavy in like early puberty. And I don't, I don't even think I looked, I still looked like a child, but whatever hormones had started to release went to my hair first. So I was <laughs> tiny and looked like a child, but my hair had started to frizz and I'd wear it half up, half down like we did. And the side would, the side wispies would just go out like inches from the side of my head. And I had no idea. I wasn't using hairspray. I wasn't blow drying or using any product. I maybe use those little like but I don't think I did that either. Like I just, Mm. Oh, it's bad. And so it's so funny. If you look my sixth to seventh grade, like the hair changes, the hair texture changes completely. And then also I think the early nineties grunge style was very confusing to a lot of us who were starting to shop on our own. Like, were we supposed to go to the thrift store? Were we supposed to wear like our grandpa's pajamas to school? Like I really did. I wore boxer shorts to school, men's boxers on the first day of seventh grade, like on purpose by choice. But like I was so little, like I couldn't wear men's clothing, but a lot of people were shopping at like at Salvation Army for like the grunge look jeans and it just it just took me a while. So 7th grade wasn't great. But I I also think for so many people around me, even the cool girls who looked like they had it all together, they probably look back and think it was awful too. So maybe it's just universal.
1: <laughs> I do think and and also that's when you're like you start to get greasy. Like things mm-hmm. just aren't going the way you expect them to and you and you feel Like the changes you mentioned for sure, but you just feel weird in your body and you feel weird in your clothes and you like there's this feeling of like things should be changing and you're searching for what that should look like. But you just don't know how to get there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, not a great time. Not a great time for most of us. I would love to hear from someone who said seventh grade was the best fashion and style of their lives. I know. I I bet we have have to give them. A big round of applause.
0: <laughs> I bet we have someone. Maybe it just hit just right. Like they maybe they were early to puberty and they were like looking awesome by the time they were
1: 13. Yeah.
0: Maybe they just maybe. like maybe. Maybe someone someone out there. You'll you'll email. Someone out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I also have talked with my friends who are the same age as me. Um, and especially the ones who are teachers, and they just talk about now how girls, and I know this has been happening for a while, just have access to things that we didn't at that yeah. age. So, like, you know. Girls are getting their hair professionally blown out. Girls are getting manicures. Girls are dressing better than they did. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that that's universal, but I do think that there's a lot of girls now who kind of skip over the level of awkwardness that we had. But I bet you they still feel awkward. Yeah. Oh,
0: like yeah. Even oh, if yeah.
1: on the on the outside to us, they look amazing like models or something. But inside, I'm sure they still feel weird. So
0: they're dying inside. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's shift to something a little less, um, a little less fluffy. And let's just talk about our best pre-motherhood taste in like, I'm just going to say culture. And you can, you can um, define that however you want. I'm thinking like books, music, you know, TV, movies, just the things that we consumed. Um, So I'll go first. I'm going to actually say like fourth through seventh grades were a pretty high point for me because I was a big time reader. And that was when I read voraciously. And I read a lot of crap, like every kid who's a, you know, a a serious Mm -hmm. reader will read literally whatever they get their hands on. So I read cereal boxes. I read really bad um, young adult novels and romances where it's just like, how can the most terrible things happen? You know, there's all that drama and like silly romances. And I read a a lot of those series novels, Uh, but I read some really good books during that time. And especially like fifth, sixth and seventh grades, I really started to get into more adult Um, oriented fiction that was really Mm -hmm. quite good. And so I read a lot of that and I just read so much that there was a lot of good stuff. I also had really pretty good taste in television. Uh, My mom had good taste in TV and I kind of watched what she watched. We watched a lot of PBS specials and we watched like smart, good sitcoms. Um, Mm -hmm. Like we watched the golden girls together and stuff like that. So it wasn't always, you know, she wouldn't, she would not, um, she would not waste our time with like crappy television. She just wouldn't do it. So we watched a lot of good stuff. And then, you know, movies I wasn't really watching, but music even like I was listening to that was kind of a little golden age in the mid 80s. So like I'm thinking that would have been 85, 86, 87, something in there. There was some good music that that was popular. So I had like good stuff. And then, well, we'll get into this in the, you know, the next question. But kind of after that, it just went all downhill for me. So how about you?
0: (laughs) Well, mine's very different from yours. Um, I'm going to say junior and senior year of high school were a really good time for my appreciation of different pop culture. Um, I was pretty sheltered. Like I was not allowed to watch TV and a lot of movies, like very sheltered from that kind of media as a kid. So I always felt behind. I wasn't allowed to watch like 90210 when people were watching it. I wasn't allowed to see a lot of movies. And so I, it took me a while to get over the feeling of like being out of the loop on stuff like that. Um, and same thing with music. I didn't grow up like my parents weren't listening to top 40 radio or like they didn't even really bring a lot of like their own musical tastes like they have some music. Mm. I mean, they they like music, but it wasn't like I feel like in a lot of my friends, families, their parents had like their old Grateful Dead records. And their, there there mm. was a, a music culture in the family that I didn't feel like was particularly dominant or influential in my family. So it took me until having a really good group of friends and a really cool boyfriend, all of whom were into what I came to appreciate as really good quality music. Um, The movies I came to kind of on my own, I finally was just old enough to go see R-rated movies in the theater. And I went to movies a lot in my late teenage years with friends, with my boyfriend. So I think I was just almost a late bloomer to pop culture. And I think I had an added layer of self-consciousness about it. Like, oh, crap i'm not allowed to watch this thing so i'm left out and i carried that forward probably longer than i needed to because just like we said about 7th grade i'm sure all of the other teenagers weren't super secure in their pop culture right. knowledge either i just felt particularly behind in that area so yeah i mean i i went to see live music i went to some fun concerts i went to a lot of movies um, reading a little less so, and I know we'll talk about books later, but I had been a voracious childhood reader. I think by junior, senior year of high school, I was just reading my like AP English lit. I was still, I was still passionate about literature. I became a literature major, but I wasn't reading a lot for pleasure. So that's for me. Yeah.
1: Um, it just, it's funny to me to think back to when you are that age and really any adolescent up until like through young adulthood, you just think, you're the only one going through X or that everyone's Mm -hmm. looking at you and judging you or whatever. You know what I mean? And like what you realize as you go on is everyone's just thinking about themselves. That's what I tell my kids now. Like no one's thinking about you as much as you think they are. They're all thinking about themselves and wondering if you're thinking about them. So totally. All right. Well, this will be fun. Let's talk about our worst taste in music (laughs) and books and TV and all that. And you go first on this one.
0: Well, I'm going to say actually I was very checked out. So my worst phase was young adulthood, post college, up until the time I had my first baby. So for me, that's ages twenty two to twenty seven, and in in real time, that's two thousand two to two thousand seven. So we're in the aughts, I guess. Um, in college, I had continued like you know reading a lot because I was an English major. I saw a lot of movies. I went to concerts, and then I just went into this phase of my life where I kind of stopped. Like I don't know. I stopped acquiring new tastes in things like that. I was working a lot. I remember these long drives out to the far Chicago suburbs and I had a CD player in my car and I had like a sleeve of CDs and I a lot of them were mixed CDs that people had made. And I just remember thinking like, I don't know. I don't like any of this. I don't know what I want to listen to. I think I was just like maybe I was outgrowing some of my teenage and college tastes and I didn't know what young adults listened to. I should have been listening to podcasts. If that had been a thing, I would have loved podcasts or NPR maybe, but maybe I was too young for NPR and too old for some of like the the music of my college age. And so I just, it was like kind of like a cycle. I just, I stopped seeing as many movies. I stopped reading for pleasure because I had spent the last many years of my life as a, a literature major. So it's not so much I had terrible taste, I just feel like I checked out of culture for a few years there, even before I had kids.
1: Isn't it funny how sometimes that stuff is so um like it's circumstance oriented or like and I'm sure that I mean we know that that that's how podcast listening is because we hear it from listeners all the time. But like how circumstantial um your habits become around yeah. that kind of thing. And I'm thinking like every time I've moved, I feel like I've had a and I, I mean moving from a diff- to a different town. Yeah. I had a big shift in what I listened to because I'd be in my car at a different time where I'd find a new mm-hmm. station. Like when I moved to Chicago, the first station I found was a PB or the NPR station and I listened to like nothing but NPR. I think like the whole time I lived there because mm-hmm. it was just like, well, I found it. <laughs> I found it and I didn't care that much about music right then. Like it wasn't a a very inspiring time for me musically and I was like, meh, I'll just listen to this. It's easy. I don't have to think about it. I can have it on when the kids are in the car and it it just was easy. And I, I can think of other times that I've started a new job where a certain radio station is playing in the background all day. And that's the kind of music I'd find myself yeah. listening to. And it's not like it's out of your hands, but sometimes you just fall into whatever mm-hmm. you're listening to or consuming. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to say the worst taste in music and books kind of follows along with what I was saying about... Um, high school for me being a time I tried to fit in like with what I wore and how I looked. Mm -hmm. And I would say I was kind of like that from probably eighth or ninth grade through like 10th or 11th grade. Like I just Mm -hmm. was into whatever was popular and that I could talk about with friends. And there was some really unfortunate stuff being made. It was just not a great time. I don't think for at least for the pop, the stuff I was aware of. I know there was some like good alternative music in the late eighties and early nineties. But what I was listening to was what was on the radio. And it was like, I don't know, CNC music factory or something. And it was just it. And like the TV, like I watched 90210 and I was super into it. Well, there's nothing against 90210 and yes, I'm talking about the original 90210 (laughs) with Brenda and Brandon. Um, But like, it was fine. It's not like I don't look back and judge myself. There's a, there's pop, that pop culture fluff holds a place but I don't necessarily think it was like the same quality as maybe some of the stuff I watched mm-hmm. and listened to earlier and later. So not not the best time.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like you had a a sense somewhere in there that this wasn't being driven by your own taste, but that like external forces were at work, even at the time. Yeah,
1: it was just yeah. convenient. It kind of reminds me of when I was a little kid. And I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast, um, but I I loved sleepovers. I loved sleeping at friends' houses, but I hated spending the night at certain friends' houses on Friday nights because they would want me to get up really early and watch Saturday morning cartoons. And Mm -hmm. I thought Saturday morning cartoons were so stupid. Like, I Mm -hmm. I hated them. At the age of like seven, I thought they were Mm -hmm. a waste of my time. But of course I did because I'm, you know, I'm sleeping on my friend Marcy's pullout sofa and I'm not going to not watch Thundercats. She's going to punch me if I don't watch Thundercats. So I watched Thundercats. Or yep. I watched like Wacky Races or what? I don't even remember what was on. It was silly. Um, so just <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the same thing. Like yep. it was a means to an end.
0: Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. It's so interesting that you were self-aware. And I can think of times when I was self-aware in that way too. And that the drive to conform is still we're, like those little brains still are so hardwired to just go. with It's just fascinating. It's fascinating. So.
1: It is. It is. I wish sometimes I had just like said, no, I'm not watching this show. I'm going right. back to sleep. I'm not watching smurfs. It's weird. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's talk about social lives. Cause that's something that, you know, dominates as we've talked about your life as a young person, and then can become difficult as you get older. So what, um, has, was your best pre motherhood social life? And I'll go first on this one. I'm going to say it was a toss up between my senior year of high school and my first year of college. Very different. Um, by my senior year of high school, I finally had like a really established friend group. And I went to a really small high school and it just happened that I had this group of like, you know, 15 to 20 strong girl- girls. So we were like, we made up a quarter of the wow. class. It was yeah. so We were like a force. Um, now I didn't really like them all. And most of those friendships did not stand the test of time, but it felt like a powerful time for me. Like I remember feeling like I have like found my, my girl gang, kind of my posse. And I knew I would never have to show up to an event and not have someone there. I would always have a ride or someone to walk into any event with. And that was not something I had had ever in my life. So like that was, that felt really good. And then the year between, you know, I took a year off between high school and college and that was the great culling because that was when I realized that not all those friendships were actually very good. Mm-hmm. And so I started just chucking people left, and right? Not like you had, in a mean you way. had quantity. Uh, I had good. quantity, but not quality. Yeah. Um, and those friendships, a lot of them started falling away. And then by my first year of college, it was basically down to like Jenna and Missy and I and a couple other girls that we were still hanging out with from our original group. My first year of college was awesome because it was just the people I really, really wanted to hang out with, and then also new people injected in. So I had the comfort of like my true little best group, and Mm -hmm. also the ability to meet new people and spread my wings a little bit. And I think Mm -hmm. there are some, there's definitely some downsides to going to college and rooming with a close friend. I can definitely tell you, neither one of us branched out as much as we could have. And Jenna's fine with that. I was more of an extrovert. I probably. Could have stood to be a little more challenged in that way. But I don't have any regrets. We had an amazing time. It was so fun. So I look back and go, those were just two great years, very different, but great in their own ways. How about you? Yeah.
0: Well I love hearing that. Um I mean I also think my senior year and freshman year are both two of the best, but I think listening to you talk, it's my freshman year of college as well. And in hindsight there's so much luck that went into that. And and I think social dynamics, we've done friendships episodes recently. There is so much luck and circumstance, but I went 2000 miles away from California to outside Chicago, did not know a soul, got randomly assigned to in the roommate lottery with Allison, who you've met, who was like the best possible roommate for me. She's more outgoing and more socially involved than I am. But we like so we buddied up and we're besties right away. But we also like kind of had our own things. She went the sorority route. I was really involved with dance. And then on top of like our little bubble that we had so much fun in that little dorm room, we landed in just the best small dorm with like it it reminds me of like a show, like a TV show about college. Like our cast of characters surrounding us was just delightful. And every like from all over the country, all different majors, all different backgrounds. Um, it was like cartoonish how lucky it was and how good those people are and how, like, I yeah. still have such warm, fuzzy memories, still very, very dear friends with so many of those people. I joke that I never made any friends after my open, like orientation week freshman year. Cause I made like one best friend, 15 awesome other friends. And then I literally, no, I mean, it's not true. I did make some other dance friends and some other people in college, but really my closest friends I made in probably the first like 36 hours then we just stayed friends and then so we stayed
1: together. Yeah, yeah it.
0: it was it was really good. And a lot of people had traveled far from home, so there was a lot of that like um kind of almost feeling like a family a little bit. There was a lot of platonic guy-girl friendships that were really rich and wonderful, and that's a time I didn't have a boyfriend. Um so that was a time in my life where that was really good, like really good guy friends. Um and just like I think learning a lot from having friends from different areas of the country. So it was like a rich, rich social year. And then it also fed me for many years after. Cause like I said, I just kept all the same
1: friends for a long, long time. You had the feeder, the feeder group. Yeah. Well, and the nice thing about that is that as everyone else, then like, once you have that feeder group, whether it's living in a new town or, or your mom's group that you join or going to college or whatever, then those people's, um, circles expand, and then Mm -hmm. you get to expand your circles through them without really having to work very hard. Like if someone has a house party and you go to it, oh, look, you met some new people. You didn't have to do that work. It just like it it just kind of goes out from the center there. I love that. Oh, well, okay, Sarah. So tell me about your worst social life.
0: Well, this one was not hard to come up with. Um, The popular answer might be junior high again, because that is often a very hard time socially but for me, it was my junior year of college. So I was 20 and 21. I was, it was 2000 to 2001. And I was living in England. I spent my whole junior year, the whole academic year at Oxford in England. And it was really rough. Um, I, because my freshman year had been so magical, like i never went through loneliness or homesickness. I just got really lucky um it hit me hard that i was far i was not only far from home home i was now far from my other home which had become college and i like paired off with one other study abroad student who like we were really good friends that year and thank goodness for that but like we didn't really like the other americans in our program the english kids were not very nice to us the weather was terrible uh it was just like our attempts at going out and being social were very mm like failed in a way, like we'd go yeah. to things and just, and so I don't, I can't blame Oxford. I can't blame British people. I don't know. It was as unlucky as Northwestern freshman year was lucky for me, but it was very lonely. Um, and it was such a, like a shock from the previous experience that I knew what I was missing. I knew what I was missing back on campus. And I had chosen to study abroad for this amazing experience. And I was very lonely. So, yeah.
1: Well, and you were probably homesick. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so not only are the friendships not really going that great in the social life, but also you're, you're, there's nothing comfortable. You're not near anything familiar or comfortable. I could see how that'd be really hard. Um, for me, I'm just going to say seventh, eighth grade. I mean, I just, it's, it's a, it's a common theme. And I think, you know, one thing I will say is that I was young for my grade. Um, I was only 11 in seventh grade and only 12 in eighth grade, which is a lot younger. So I, you know, in seventh grade, I'm walking down the hall and there are grown women walking down the (laughs) hall with me, like 14 year olds. And I'm 11. It was just, and I was always little, you know, I wasn't developed until like senior year, maybe like I was, I always looked little. Um, and I think I had this sense of like really just wanting to play with my old friends. Like I wanted Aww. I had a friend who lived a couple doors down from me who was in 5th grade and I remember getting off the bus, walking by her house on my way home from the junior high bus and you know hoping she was home so I could come in and like I would have the excuse to play my little ponies with her Aww. or something. Yeah. You know, which was I couldn't do anymore, but like I could do it with her. Uh I was just and I know we've had listeners ask about holding kids back or not holding kids back, um skipping grades or like starting kids young and I besides seventh and eighth grades, I would say really no regrets, but seventh, eighth grade was tough. Like it was, yeah. I was just, I may as well have been an alien. I was yeah. so not there yet. And I didn't care, but I just, again, I knew like some little part of me kind of thought I should care, but I couldn't really muster it up. I wasn't boy crazy. I didn't care about boys. I didn't care about celebrities. <laughs> I didn't really care about the new kids on the block, whatever. I <laughs> like their music, but I didn't. And then I didn't, have crushes on, you know, celebrities. It just, yeah. I just felt like a fish out of water. So, um, all of it, hair, fashion, yeah. friends, I, I, not great for me in junior high.
0: I wish you, um, had had like a, you needed another little young, young buddy, like another little, um, skip ahead
1: friend. Yeah. You know, well, someone... And the funny thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but I actually did have like two very solid friendships that I formed during that time um which did make it a little less lonely. I wouldn't even say I was lonely all the time. I had someone to pass notes with and that was great. Um she was not young, but but we had some things in common and right. kind of sarcastic sense of humor and stuff. But just it was like at the cafeteria, I didn't know where to sit. Like it was just that stuff. It was the walking yeah. into a classroom where that girl wasn't and yeah. feeling completely out like outside of what was happening. Like yes. I was some kind of weirdo. And yeah, so it's not that the friendships were bad. I had a couple of really solid friendships. It was that the the rest of it, it was the other 250 people I had to wander through the halls with that was very yeah. really uncomfortable. And so, that's a
0: really good yeah. counterpoint to what you said about your posse, your junior and senior year, um, which is that you knew that you could walk into a room and find someone, you know, and that's a great point right? about social like the health of your social situation is not just the ride or die and it's not just the friendlies. Those are the terms we used in our two-part episode a few weeks ago. It's, it's a, like a Venn diagram of both. Like if, if either right. one is, is, um, dramatically lacking, you'll feel it even if the other one's relatively balanced. So for you, you had a couple of good friends and it was that, it was that like, sense of being out of place in the larger community. That was hard. It's so interesting.
1: Yeah. They call them the weak ties. Like, yeah. yeah, I had zero weak ties. I had a couple very strong ones, but nothing on the other side. So, um, yeah. that, that is hard, you know, it's, yeah. and no matter where, or maybe you're on the other side, lots of weak ties and no strong ones. Like, right. Those are both hard places to be. The deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So let's dive into our bests and worsts that came to us sometime during motherhood, um, starting with our best look. And I'll start this one. I'm going to say this was like my mid thirties. And, uh, you know, I thought at first mid to late, but really it was from like 33 to 37 or 38. Um, and I I think there was a lot going on there. First of all, I had a really cute haircut. Like I had a really short, fun haircut that I rocked basically throughout most of my 30s. I think I got it chopped off when I was like 32 and then I kept it until 39. So I- and You're
0: talking pixie. For those who haven't seen pictures, pixie. it was short, short, yeah.
1: Short, short. And I did kind of go back and forth. So sometimes I'd grow the front out a little longer and then buzz the side. So they were like, you know, a half inch long. And sometimes I'd have it all over like an inch and a half long. And sometimes I spiked it. Like I, I did all kinds of fun stuff. I had like, I could, I could really copy like Pink's hair for a while. Like I just had really kind of fun, sassy cuts and people really, like it really worked on my face. I have mm-hmm. kind of a smaller face and um, some bone structure. And so it really worked. And in, in my thirties, I still could kind of pass for my twenties. So I looked youthful. And my kids were finally, like I'd finally gotten out of that really frumpy, early, um, motherhood stage where you just kind of get through the day and whatever you can find on the floor. And like, Mm -hmm. I had a look, um, I was going out a lot. We had friends in Chicago and I was going to clubs with them and kind of living out the life I didn't live at all in my twenties. So Mm -hmm. going to concerts, going to clubs, like going to nice restaurants, going to conferences. And I had just like a wardrobe for that. So I just Mm -hmm. feel like I looked put together and cute. And I had Uh, look and I think that when we talk about things like best and worst look or taste or whatever sometimes it's just having a point of view about something and feeling like it's a thing Mm -hmm. and so I felt like I I knew what the way I wanted to dress and I could still kind of get away with dressing younger and trying to keep up with trends and like mimicking maybe like a 20-something style and it still looked good on me and I didn't feel awkward or uncomfortable in it And so it was just a really good, stylish time.
0: How about you? Well, mine is similar. And um, I'm so, this is so interesting because, okay, let's say I'm going to pause to say how old we are now because this, if we're new people, I'm 41 and you're almost 44, correct? Right. Yep. And when we started having babies, it was obviously very different. You started at 20, I started at 28. But when we finished having babies was relatively similar in age. You were 32, right? When you finished having babies and I was almost 33. I was like a couple of weeks shy of 33, but I was also 32. So this is where I find this part so interesting because I was also going to say around 34, 35, um, because it was, I remember about a year after Violet was born. So my body felt for the first time, like it was not pregnant, breastfeeding. I was very clear about being done with babies, which I know is not everybody's experience, but I was really happy and felt very complete. So I just felt like my body was very much mine again. And Mm. my clothes fit great. Um, this would have been 2014. So I feel like social media and Pinterest and like the way we had access to looking at style was, was much more current. Like it's not that it's only seven years ago. So it was, it's not, not, it's not that long ago now. So I felt like I was. So, you know experimenting a little with style but mostly it was that feeling like my body was mine again so i was having fun dressing it um and my hair was long after several attempts at wearing it short so yeah we have some family pictures and and i got some headshots right around that time and i still when i look at them i kind of think well that's probably as good as it's ever going to be and i know that sounds oh terrible <laughs> but yeah that was a good look mid 30s
1: yeah i think that that's probably a golden time for a lot of people and you know, Violet, when you're the time you're kind of describing when Violet was like a year old, um, you're still in the the sticky hands danger zone. And I oh, yeah. definitely remember there being a feeling at like if I dressed really cute when Clara was like less than four, let's say, mm-hmm. yeah. of walking around on pins and needles like, waiting for someone to throw dirty, sticky hands yeah. around you and then be like, well, may as well have not even tried. But there was a little golden moment where like she even I could even put my hands out and like grab her hands and say, let's not touch right now. I'm not that I was like parent. I wasn't walking around like a fashion plate all the time, but if I had dressed up for some reason, feeling like I could say, you know, I could divert her and be like, hold on, don't, you know, smudge me up at the moment or wrap your fingers up in my hair. Or like, you know, when you're not like leaking breast milk anymore, anymore, or having to wear nursing bras, like all that stuff really does change things. And I think for a lot of women that happens in their mid thirties. Like I think yeah. for a lot of us or, you know, later thirties, maybe if they um, started a little bit later, but I, uh, yeah, that's kind of fun. It's fun to think about us both being kind of, you know, super cute and hot in our thirties. Yeah.
0: Well, and as you're talking, I'm remembering, okay. So like when you have a young toddler babies through young toddlers, you can't wear your hair down most of the time. So you had short no. hair. I had ponytails because they will literally pull your hair or your hair will go into your like milky bra situation or your hair is falling out. Like so finally, like my hair could be down or they'll and pull long. on your
1: dangly earrings. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yep. So the worlds that open up when you can wear strapless bras or no bras or dangly earrings or have your hair done, like it's like all those things get unlocked. And for me, since I had three kids pretty close together, it was really like six years of not doing those things. And then the fashions had changed. And I was like, oh, cool. Like yeah. what what will I wear? What I do what do- <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, I love it.
1: Well. Now, let's go to the other side, Sarah. Tell me about your worst look post or during motherhood.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, at first, I wrote in our outline anytime I decided to cut my hair short. And that was several times <laughs> that I tried to do a chin length bob because my long hair would bother me. And I would go through this process where I would think, well, it's always in a ponytail anyway. So why don't I get like a cute layered? chin length bob that's kind of tussled and I've got the natural wave. It was never cute. And I did it many times, actually, even before kids, I would do this every few years. Um, it's never cute. I, I promise I will never do that
1: again. Um, you're hearing it here. I think chin length bobs are really hard for a lot of people to pull off by the way, and harder in a lot of ways than truly short hair. Like, yeah, because they hit you at a real weird spot on your face.
0: And you have to keep them up. And it's a myth that short hair is low maintenance. I mean, it can be, but then it doesn't look very good. So short hair that looks cute is just as high maintenance, really. Um, And so that was always a bad choice. But specifically, I did it right after having Reed. Um, I cut off. I donated my long ponytail, cut my hair off when I was like six weeks postpartum. Wasn't cute. But also what happened after Reed was I had stopped working in an office because I still worked in a corporate job after Allegra. And then I decided to stay home after my second baby. So I had a really hard time. He's born in June. And I had a really hard time figuring out what my post two baby wardrobe was going to be. So I had, you know, the first few months I hadn't lost any weight. So I was wearing like ugly maternity shorts and stuff for that summer but then the weather starts to cool down in Arizona and like my body is a little bit more like stable. And I'm like, what do I even wear as a stay at home mom? Like what does a stay at home mom wear? I, I really, it took probably a year or maybe longer to where I knew like what I wanted to put on in the morning. Do I wear sweats? Like, do I look cute? Do I, it was just vastly, it it varied by the day. And just like we were talking about earlier, it's almost like if you have a sense of your style, it doesn't matter what the style is. You just know, you know what the look you're going for is. And this was a time where right. I very much, I very much did not. Cause after Allegra, I actually still had some cute work clothes. Like I, you know, I had to go in the office and I had my nursing bra and I pumped, but I, I, I still wore cute work clothes after my first baby. It was after the second baby where I was like, I, I'd have no idea what to wear. <laughs> you're like,
1: well, so I was thinking for me, it was like my mid 20s. And what I wrote in the outline is I had no idea what was going on. And so <laughs> for I think in my early 20s, even though I was having kids, I basically just looked like I did in college. I just looked like a babysitter. Like I looked like this young girl walking around with a couple of little kids, on, you know, baby on her hip and right. like a long ponytail. And I essentially just kind of still looked like I was in college. And then at some point in my mid 20s, I got the idea that I should look more like a mom, like more like like a adult. Right. Yeah. Um. And I was working, and so I just felt like I needed more of a look, like a professional look. And so one of the things I went, I did, was I went out and got my hair cut into what was unfortunately not on purpose, but became the total like John and Kate plus eight choppy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even like a shag. Like I don't even know what you'd call it. It was yes. like the the Karen look with like the kind of you you'd put all the product in it, and then you'd run your fingers through your the hair, and it was all spike out and like. Yep. They always, and every time I went to a salon, I would say, I don't want it to be like that. I don't want it to be so big. Please don't tease the crown. Please don't right. give me all these wisps. And they always would anyway. It was like, I just kept walking out with the same haircut over and over, even after begging not to, um, a couple times places nailed it. And I would be like, this is so cute. Cause it was actually, that shade could be very cute on me, almost like a mullet. It was, it could be very cute, especially in my twenties, um, because I was young enough to look funky and not mm-hmm. frumpy. Yes. But it doesn't matter how young you are if it's a if it's just that mom cut, you just there's nothing you can do about it. I feel like that was the time that I just kind of it was like the why bother years because mm-hmm. you know, by the time I was 28, I had four kids and you know, I had I didn't even bother with contacts anymore. I had like I also had bad glasses. They were just like whatever glasses I had had now for 6 years. Um I did a lot of my shopping off the target clearance rack and I was really thin. So I could really buy stuff off the clearance rack and wear it. It would, you would, you know, it wouldn't be unflattering. It kind of was like dressing a a mannequin, but that doesn't mean it was cute. And I think I just thought, well, if it fits on me and it, it seems to be in style because it's in the store (laughs) because it came out this year because it it came out this year and it's 60% off. Like that's good enough. You know, again, when you've got like a preschooler in the shopping cart and a baby on your hip. I didn't want to try stuff on. I, I didn't yeah. even want to spend time shopping. So I kept like flailing around. Like it was like I was trying, but I was just, I was just flailing. Yeah. So it wasn't a great time for me.
0: <laughs> I am so curious if this is a rhetorical question, although listeners, you're welcome to write in an answer. We've, we've talked a lot. We talked about being influenced and we've talked about influencer culture And I'm so curious if like being a new mom now, if there's like more pressure, like you can see on Instagram what quote unquote cute moms are wearing all the time. And I I wonder if for some people it's a good source of inspiration, like, oh, hey, like this is a way to at least like keep an eye on what's fashionable, just like we used to look at magazines or whatever. Right. Or if it's just if it creates the assumption that like you have to do that, because when I see the 28 year old influencer moms, I'm like, well, that's real hard to have your hair look like that every day. <laughs> I'm like, that's not realistic. But I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be a peer with that person and feel either inspired or quite possibly like demoralized.
1: Well, what I think is funny about what you just said, and it rings very true is that I didn't know in my twenties how bad I looked. I don't right. think like, I don't remember feeling bad about the way I looked. I don't remember really having any opinion about the way I looked at all. If my hair was done and you know, I was wearing clothes um, and I got through the day, I felt okay. Like yeah, uh, doing pretty well. It wasn't until later looking back at pictures of me in those times where I'm like, Man, I look way better now than I did when I was like 26. And it's kind of funny to see that and think I'm almost 20 years older. And in some ways, I look younger mm-hmm. than I did at that age. And there's lots of reasons like sleep deprivation and just being generally s- sort of kind of sloppy because yeah. you've got kids climbing all over you and um, just being kind of exhausted and not trying that hard. I mean, all that stuff can make you look, if not older, just a little less put together. But I yeah. don't think at the time I cared or noticed. I don't. I don't feel like I was looking to influencer moms because there weren't any except celebrities, right. and I wasn't. Re- I very much purposely did not read Us Weekly or any of those right. at the time. I didn't watch reality TV, so the stuff I was seeing was just characters. Like I was yeah. watching shows about people, like characters. Um, so I just don't think. Yeah, it definitely didn't ever. I don't feel like there was ever pressure for me to look a certain way. Yeah. Um, and it, later, it was just funny to look back and go, "Oof, not the best time." Oof. Oof. Well, okay. So let's do another best. Um best taste in again music books, whatever we were consuming um during motherhood. And and I'll go first on this one. Um, really in my late 30s, I was reading pretty religiously like new stuff, reading new books mm-hmm. or new to me books and listening to a lot of new music. And I feel like I've gotten kind of stale in both of those places. And I could use an injection of new stuff, but I'm also perfectly happy to go in long stages where all I do is reread and re-listen to the stuff I love. And I don't Mm -hmm. really feel too bad about that. So it's maybe my least inspired, um, or maybe that was my most inspired times, you Mm -hmm. know, in my late thirties, but that doesn't mean that was the best. It's just, it was the time that I was taking in the most interesting new content.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say best for culture. It is probably now I feel like with my kids getting older Um, and having been working in our industry now for several years, I just am, I have curated my social feeds and my email newsletters and the stuff that I read to like always be giving me good suggestions for TV, movies, documentaries. I don't, I mean, I don't consume it all. You can't, but I feel like I'm pretty up to date on pop culture and I have found what I like. And it's something that the family and I enjoy to do together. Brian and I enjoy. So I feel like Probably now. I mean, with reading, I go in big swings of reading a lot and reading a little. And in the immediate now, I'm not doing so great with reading. But the now of the last three or four years have been a great uh, run of reading fiction and nonfiction for me. So I'm I'm in my prime right now with I love with it. Cultural tastes. And I can't wait to get back to live performances because that's another we, we haven't talked about that. But that's another hugely important thing to you and me yeah. about rounding out our culture. And I was also really like before the pandemic, I was seeing more live uh, theater and musical theater than I had in like two decades. It was so great. So
1: I almost just kind of forgot that was a thing. Like it didn't even (laughs) factor into my judge, my judging of myself here. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. And Sarah, I feel like that's one place that you've really influenced me because you have been watching so much more like quality television and not just the same old stuff that I've, you know already seen. Um, and definitely you've influenced me to watch some things I wouldn't otherwise have watched. It can be really hard for me to, to inspire myself to sit down and watch a TV program. If I don't have someone watching it with me, it's like, I need that teamwork. Yeah, mentality. totally. Um, yeah. So like, that's been kind of fun just for you to make recommendations and I know that I can trust them. So that's been nice. Hey. Well, okay. So what about worst Sarah? Tell me about your worst taste in music and books after having kids.
0: Okay. It's so funny. So if the word, my worst period of, um, pop culture before having kids was leading right up to having kids. So I think it just continued. So, um, I wasn't super dialed in, in my mid twenties before I had kids. And then I had a baby and I stayed completely out of tune with what was going on. I really wasn't going to see any movies once I had a baby. I don't, I think I went at one point, I think I went like four years without seeing a movie. Like really like, Yeah. Um, but after Allegra was born and I was home on maternity leave and I I only worked part time, I also watched a lot of like daytime, not soap operas, uh, no judgment. If that's your thing, it was more like, I watched like the view. I watched a lot of that, like John and Kate plus eight, like a lot of those Bravo style. Again, if this is how you unplug and it feel it feeds your soul, I have so like, I have negative judgment for you, but for me, it was like kind of gross. I just have this image of like, Um, I didn't have much on my phone yet. Smartphones weren't quite there yet. So there was nothing to scroll. And so I just had to like turn on the TV while I nursed and I'm not super proud of the choices I made. Let's put it that way.
1: (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Um, well, you know, what's funny about that. And I have times I remember looking back and watching like some bad reality TV or just mindless, you know, having like one of the home channels or the food network or something on like literally all day and not even really consuming it, just being in the room when it's on, yeah. not really in not really being that um invested in the programming or the people, just being like, it's it's noise, it's there. And I actually feel kind of okay about that only because at least I was making an effort. But there was a time in my in the early twenties for me where I would say I was like between it was probably after Owen was or Isaac was born. So like twenty two, where I just didn't I read parenting books and pregnancy and birth books. But other than that I, like, didn't wa- I didn't read or watch anything. I-, I don't think I turned the radio on. I remember I had this um, station wagon that had a cassette player in it. And at, at a garage sale, I picked up an old Sesame Street cassette that I remembered from when I was a kid. Like It was the mm-hmm. same music I had listened to or watched you know, on Sesame Street mm-hmm. when I was really little. And I had that in my car and I would just play it like it would just play all the time. And it was so mindless. I don't think I was even really listening. It was really for the kids, but it was on in the background. So like the soundtrack of my life for a good two or three years Mm -hmm. was just like, you know, uh, will anybody, has anyone seen my dog? I'm trying to remember what, like, has anybody seen my dog? Um, The alphabet song, Rubber Ducky, like, that's it. It's just like Mm -hmm. in the back of my head, like on a loop. So that, I don't know what was happening to my brain during that time. if it was just melting, I don't really know. It was a fallow period, as you say. It was a fallow period. And there was so much input and so much stimulation from having two little kids already. And I was, you know, I was online. So I was definitely taking in a lot of content online, um, but it was like early internet content. So, you know, it wasn't social media. It was like forums and articles and stuff, but I just wasn't, it just, that was so off my radar. Mm -hmm. So anyway, not the best. Not well, let's talk about social lives and our best and worst. I'll go first with my best social life after becoming a mom, and that would be now. And I think that, you know, I've talked before about how I have this these solid best friends and Sarah like our, you know, our friendship has such has so solidified over the last few years doing the podcast and mm-hmm. like I really feel like those close people to me um it's just tight and it's mm-hmm. secure in a really good way. But then I I want to say pre-pandemic, my outer circles were getting a little out of control. They were just becoming, not like they were partying and doing cocaine or something, but like it was our parties are not that fun. Okay. Um, it was more that they just were getting too loose and big and all consuming. Like I was spending more time with people. I didn't really know that well, or want to get to know that well, but only because I felt obligated because small town. And once your circles start to grow outward it's kind of hard to shove them back in the box. Mm-hmm. Like you're always getting invited to this or that thing, or you're going someplace and running into people, you know, and ever since I did the radio show, that's been kind of, you know, I guess, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? It's just been growing. Yes. Um, and I was going to use the word spiraling and that's not the word I was looking for, but you know what I mean? Uh, Amplified? And no. Amplifying. Yeah. So there's some like vegetable related word I want to say. <laughs> or like mushroom related word. I couldn't think of it, but. Multiplying. Eh, multiplying. <laughs> Spores. It was something Never more mind. fungal, Sarah. It was something <laughs> fungal, okay? But anyway, I, I feel like it was just getting a little out of control and then the pandemic happened and there was just like a forced reset. So now the solid friendships are even more solid because I really doubled down and invested in those. And then some acquaintanceships that had just become t- too many. And sometimes some of them weren't people I wanted to spend as much time With as I was just by happenstance, those just kind of fell off the radar. They just fell off the edges, and I felt zero obligation. I think it's really interesting to go back through my phone and see that there are some people I literally haven't seen in you know fifteen or sixteen months, but whom I've sent like five or six texts to. Like I still keep Mm -hmm. in very loose touch on purpose. And there's other people I've forgotten I ever talked to, and I don't know when I'll see them. I'm this summer there will be an event, and I will be at it. And I will see people and it'll be fine because no one feels bad or guilty because everyone was in a pandemic. So it doesn't matter. It's like a total reset. So that's me. How about you?
0: I love that. There is a Saturday night live sketch from the same one that I sent you a different sketch. Same. It was the finale. It was a really good episode, but about going to parties after the pandemic and like re-meeting people and it's really funny. I'll send it to you. That's a side note.
1: <laughs> remeeting people and forgetting you ever knew them, maybe? Exactly, or exactly exactly. Yeah.
0: Like forgetting that you ever liked this person. Um so best social life for me post-motherhood was kind of immediately post-motherhood. After a few rocky months of not having friends, I locked into kind of a mom's group play group. Um kind of happened organically and then a couple of those people had friends and so it was a group of about like probably eight women that eventually culled down to like six, seven really tight friendships that I'm still very dear friends with today. Um, But the great part about that was those were my new mom friends. And a couple of them had husbands that got along really well with Brian. And so we started to forge little like family friendships. But the other piece was I was still working and I had good friends at work. Um, We had like a couple other local friends that I had known before motherhood and our Chicago like ties, our ties to our college friends were still really tight and everybody loved to visit Arizona. So we just had a, there was a lot of variety in my social life. I was fulfilled in the the new mom friend box was checked. And if that box isn't checked, that can feel lonely, right? And we we know because like you're, if, if your old friends don't have kids, that can that can create kind of a gap. But for me, that was filled because I had a bunch of new mom friends. But then I also had kind of these leftover areas of my social life that were still in decent shape. And so there was enough, it didn't just feel like, all baby talk all the time. So it was good. It was a good, a good phase. And I know that's not everybody's best phase, but, um, that was a good one for me.
1: Well, I do think it's like one of those forced resets or forced new, like you have to kind of put yourself out there in a new way. And sometimes it's like college. Sometimes it really works out and you just luck out and you fall into some really good groups and they don't last forever. Right. Um, it's very situational, but they can be really great and healthy and rich while they're happening. All right. Worst, worst social life, Sarah.
0: Well, uh, you just said your best one is now. I think my worst one is now actually. And that's not to say, I mean, my ride or dies, my close friends are totally set just like you said with yours, but I moved in a pandemic. I moved to a town I haven't lived in since I was 18 years old. So there's not much left for me here. And the age that my kids are is like, we're not going to be like, it's not a playgroup age anymore. It's not like I want to make friends with every mom in the preschool pickup line. I've done that already. I don't want to do that again. I'm not, I don't want to like become best friends with my seventh graders, friends, moms, like she right. does. My seventh grader needs to make friends. That's a priority, but,
1: but my you don't have to be involved in that. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. my
0: friends aren't, it's not a given that my friends will be her friends, moms. And I have a few like fledgling friendships and I'm just finding it. It feels like a lot of work as we come out of the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic made it really hard. And as we come out of it, it's like, oh, gosh, this is hard starting over. Like, do I do I want to like go out for a drink with that woman or do I just want to wait till our paths kind of cross organically? So the good news is like I'm really busy and I have a lot of long distance friends that like I don't feel it's not like I feel lonely, just like you talked about in like seventh grade or whatever. It's not like I feel friendless. But the fabric of my local friendships is just, I feel like I'm looking at the beginning of a very long process. And sometimes that feels daunting.
1: Well, and it's like, if you found yourself with an evening with nothing to do and like, you know, maybe Brian had the kids and they're all going to go do something together and you've got the whole night free and you feel like going out and grabbing a drink, do you have someone to call? And that's not someone, you don't need that person every day. You don't even need that person every month, but it's sure nice to have a little list. Yes of yes, those people list. to call on yeah and that takes time I mean it you know does who that's I would one of call those... who my brother
0: <laughs> that's... Oh,
1: that's who I would call though I know that's honestly what I,
0: I know and you you always talk about calling your brother to see if he's up for a drink or something and my brother just moved back to town so as you were yeah. talking I was like oh I would call my brother too oh my
1: brother has absolutely been like my my closest friend in in like not you know after I got divorced, I, I did at one point realize I was spending way too much time with my brother and that probably men thought I was married to my brother or dating my brother so that it wasn't a great thing for me to be like seen in every bar in you know, my tiny town with this dude who looks uncannily like me, but there is something about that. Like neither of us had to try that hard. I'd call him and we still hang out. He and I probably still get together, you know, every other week, just in the middle of the week, be like, Hey, what's going on? And we get together and we both have a lot of other things going on, but um, it's just, there's a comfort there. It's fun. Like there's no pressure to it. I I think that actually can be a great like little local, um, like a local network, like your replacement for that. And I think, and you know, moving during a pandemic is especially unfortunate because it's not like you could go join a club.
0: Right. Yeah. No, there's been no gym. There's been no book clubs, no gyms, no, um, whatever. So I'll, I'll get there. So how about you for your worst?
1: And in the meantime, you've always got, you've always got, was, you used to go by Bubba?
0: Yeah, Bubba. We call him Bubba. Yeah, the kids call Bubba. him Bubba. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I want to see a picture of you and Bubba at the bar together. That would make yeah. me very happy. I love it. Um, okay, so for me, where social life was actually the opposite of what for you was best, or uh-huh. same as what was for you was best. So we're the opposite on this, on this category. And for me, it was early motherhood. Um, very specifically, when I lived in Minnesota, uh, Jacob was two. Isaac was a newborn we lived in this you know third floor apartment uh in like in the middle of nowhere i mean it was like in a subdivision like not a good one or sorry suburb a suburb yeah you know there was like a walmart nearby and i didn't i didn't know anybody i didn't know how to know anybody and i think yeah. i met one mom on my floor and we would and it was a really cold you know minnesota winter and there was nowhere to go and there was nothing to do and i didn't yeah. have any entry point into anything and I would walk down to her apartment or she'd walk down to mine and we would hang out with each other every now and then. But like even that felt a little like it was like too close. Like I don't want necessarily to have a buddy who can come knock on my door anytime they want. I want some boundaries. So that was kind of hard. But she was like the only person that I even knew. So it was that was hard. I was very isolated from my people. And I don't even just mean my friends, like everybody. My sister who had been my best. I had lived in the same town as my sister when um, when Jacob was little. And when I was pregnant with Isaac and that was great, it was like a built-in social life and her yeah. friends became my friends. And yeah. um, I met people in college cause I took classes when Jacob was a baby. Actually, you know, if I had to say besides now, when Jacob was a baby, I went back to college and I took theater classes. And that was some of the most fun I've ever had. It was like, my life as a mom is like, Diapers and nursing and like all that stuff, and then I get to go basically screw around and call it college. Mm -hmm. That's basically what theater classes were at the time, like lots of games and silliness, Mm -hmm. and that was super duper fun. And then I went from that to like now it's real. I've got two kids and I have nobody, and that was hard. I was really isolated. So luckily, you know, it passes. Um, And after a while, I did reunite with old people and found new people, and that does happen eventually. But when you're in that it's it's a really hard place to be. Yeah,
0: agreed. Well, I was going to remind people, we'll link in the show notes um cuz I think we mentioned a few times, we did a two-part deep dive on friendships that was very well received. I think the community really liked it. So if you're new and you're kind of deciding where to dive in in the archives, I will link those up. They're just from a few months ago. And then also we kind of mentioned our influ our hashtag influenced episode which also got a lot yeah. of people talking lately. So We'll link those up in the show notes. Um, Megan, before we wrap, we should remind people that we are hiring and you have a couple more days to get in an application.
1: Yeah, we are hiring for several positions. So whether you, you know, maybe think of yourself as somebody who might want to be behind the mic sometime or write blog posts or like kind of be front and center, or if you see yourself as more of a behind the scenes kind of person. Um, we're looking for a really organized and like a good idea generator to be a content manager uh, for us. We're looking for some contributors, and then we're looking for some more kind of at will, um, casual uh, situations where you can contribute, like kind of whatever we need. Like you're like boots on the ground. Like if we need you to help us with something, you can be there, but no obligation. So there's really something right. for everybody, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's kind yeah. um, of different levels a way to get involved. It's one application, which makes it kind of easy um and that we are taking those until tuesday night this coming week so that'll be june 8th at the very end of the evening so 11:59 p.m june 8th and then we got to cut it off because we have some decisions to make and things to you know do behind the scenes so we will link that application up in the show notes and if you're listening to this right when it drops you've got a couple of days um and megan this was so fun thanks for the trip down memory lane this was
1: fun and we will talk to you all soon That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour.